psychologists, therapists, counselors, etc. What are some things people tend to think are normal but should really be checked out? Disclaimer, this video is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please see a licensed professional for health advice and counseling. Hi, I'm a kid who fell through the cracks. Got diagnosed with dyscalculia when I was a sophomore in high school. Throughout the years, my parents would tell counselors, psychologists, etc. that something wasn't right and it was more than me being bad at math. It took a really cool teacher I had pushing and advocating for me to get an official diagnosis before anyone did anything. I understand fully that sometimes parents can be a pain, but please, 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 if a kid is 15 or 16 years old and is stuck at a 5th grade math level, look into it. People normalize abusive behaviors by loved ones all the time. Being able to identify your own personal boundaries and then enforce them with others for your own well-being is, unfortunately, not innate. Therapist here. If you grew up with or currently are part of a family where the whole family has to work to keep one or more members of the family in a good mood or appeased, that's not healthy. People are in charge of their own feelings. It is not your job to appease others so that they can emotionally regulate themselves. Disassociating with friends. Current friend of mine is having real struggles emotionally and mentally. We're still talking, but he's been distancing himself from other people. We reach breakthroughs every now and again, but it's been difficult. Psychotherapist here. Some things I see regularly that could have been caught earlier before they became a problem, unhealthy coping mechanisms. For example, drinking to, quote, relax frequently or smoking a lot. Even something like promiscuity could be a red flag that a person is trying to avoid dealing with something stressful by distracting themselves. Self-harm. Hitting yourself, banging your head on things, burning yourself on purpose, cutting yourself, etc. All of those things indicate that it's time to talk with a professional quote-unquote normal child teen behaviors that are not actually normal, like running away or getting into fights. Not communicating. When this happens, something is usually wrong. Not always, as some folks are quieter than others. But if a child, teen, or adult rarely speaks, or if they're silent in the presence of their parent or significant other, it's time to get them to see a professional alone to have their safety assessed. I've seen individuals who are literally shut down due to having been profoundly abused by the people they live with, and one of the main signs of that is silence. I've also seen people in perfectly good homes who cannot communicate due to extreme anxiety and without professional help, it's hard for them to overcome this. Mood swings. When a person's moods change from one extreme to another fairly often or regularly, that is another concerning symptom. Sometimes they are considered eccentric or hormonal, but that sort of thing can be a sign of many problems from bipolar disorder to post-traumatic stress disorder. Self-sabotaging behavior can ruin your life quickly. If you have an event in your life that has affected you negatively and you seem to find yourself exhibiting irrational or incongruent behaviors, see a counselor. You don't have to have any certain pathology to seek mental wellness counseling. Thinking that 5 hours of sleep per night is okay. Rapid weight gain or loss with no obvious medical cause. Relationship problems. Don't get me freaking started. To clarify what I really mean is that poor sleep is usually a symptom of something more serious like depression or anxiety. Our bodies are often not as well as hiding things as our minds are. I'm curious how much procrastinating and or lack of motivation to do stuff is normal and how much isn't. From what my therapist told me, if you would simply rather be doing other stuff, that's perfectly normal. But if you absolutely could not bring yourself to do homework, there's something wrong. I used to have severe anxiety attacks about homework to the point where when I needed to do it, I'd either be completely drained and go to sleep regardless of time of day or have a huge breakdown. Executive dysfunction, the inability to do things that you know you need to do, is a major symptom of ADHD. Take a look into other symptoms and see if that might fit. See a doctor if your life is affected. I'm going to word this incorrectly, so bear with me if I say something inaccurate, but I have a fun fact for my therapist. The frontal lobe is the part of the brain that deals with anxiety. It also deals with studying, but I'm not sure if it's the ability to force yourself to focus or if it's something else. 
Either way, the frontal lobe is important. It turns out that it's bad for your brain to be in a constant state of anxiety. So if you had a crappy childhood, like me, you're screwed because, as my therapist put it, the constant stress wrecks your frontal lobe. Which explains why it's almost impossible for me to study unless I'm cramming for an exam in a couple hours or starting to write a paper an hour before it's due. I can't activate the part of my brain necessary to focus on my task if I'm not in a state of panic. I don't know anything about how it ties into things like the fact that I keep my clothes strewn around until 10 minutes before a guest shows up, but I suspect it might be a similar thing. So I'd say that my major lack of motivation isn't normal, and it makes me wonder how much better I'd be in my classes if I'd had a normal childhood. There have been a lot of my patients who have been pretty surprised when I've told them, hey, that's anxiety or depression, when they just thought their behaviors were typical for everyone. Not being able to maintain friendships, constantly being nervous about the safety of your child to the point where you hate being alone with your child without your partner, not being able to motivate yourself to do things, especially things you once enjoyed, feeling excessively tired all the time, not being able to calm down and just thinking the same thoughts over and over without feeling worried. Other things we can help with. Having a hard time trusting others. Trying to recover a relationship from infidelity. Not knowing why your kid is misbehaving so much and needing guidance. Helping to improve communication within your relationships. If you experience these things and more, therapists can help. Let us help you. Edited to add, I've noticed costs coming up in a lot of these replies. I hate that cost is such a barrier for people. Sometimes colleges offer free or discounted therapy from their students. When you're training to be a therapist, you spend at least one year working as a therapist while meeting with the supervisor each week to consult on your cases and get guidance on moving forward. My college unfortunately didn't offer discounted sessions, but I know many do. It might be worth checking out. Some systems also have charity care options for people with low incomes. That can be worth pursuing as well. To find a therapist, if you're in the U.S., you can call your insurance company and get a list of places that take your insurance. That's a good place to start. A good rule of thumb as to whether a behavior or symptom should be checked out is the same we use to determine a diagnosable disorder if it causes impairment in one or more areas of life. The range of what's normal is huge, but if something keeps you from going to school or work, keeps you from maintaining basic hygiene, from maintaining your friendships, familiar relationships, or romantic relationships, it's causing impairment and you should seek help. Number one. This is not an exhaustive criteria for diagnosable mental illness. There are many criteria that we consider in diagnosing, but the one criterion that is present for all is that it must cause impairment. Number two, enjoyment is also an important aspect of functioning. If you are getting by in your life but are miserable, get help. You don't have to live like that. Number three, serial killers and sociopaths represent a very small percentage of the population and rarely seek help willingly. This was not directed at them. Number four, the areas of functioning I listed are general examples pulled from the Western culture where I live and was trained. Different cultures have different values and the norms of your culture should be taken into account. Number five, if you are unbothered by your level of functioning in these areas relative to cultural expectations, good for you. Most people considering this advice likely have a sense that something is not where they want it to be in their life and are looking for confirmation that it's bad enough to seek help. If you're not concerned, my advice is not directed at you. Number six, no one is saying that being content with having no interpersonal connections is inherently pathological. What if I'm very high-functioning? Like, I make it to work every day and have a social life and I'm able to clean up after myself, but I have no purpose. I'm not actually interested in things. I just exist to pay my bills and smile for the audience. It's like I'm just staring at life's clock waiting for my time to be up. I feel like the world is ending, but it's not scary. I'm frustrated it's taking so long. I'm just tired of existing. Is this fine as long as I show up to work and do my laundry? Okay, wow. Y'all have told me to have kids, do drugs, see a therapist, go for a walk, make a friend, to stop being an attention grabber. This is great. Everybody has a freaking solution as usual. But so many of you feel this way, so I'm glad to know it's not just me. 
I attempted to end my life about six years ago. Back then, I could barely get out of bed or feed myself. I don't feel that way anymore, so I guess I thought maybe I still wasn't depressed, that I was finally over it. I took a big step a few days ago and saw a therapist, and I have another appointment scheduled. I didn't think this post would turn into what it is. It was a late night post where my thoughts burrowed out of my skull in a fit of abject despondency. Thanks for the kind words and the unkind words. I just hope you all have gotten something out of this. The attitudes of their parents. No, really. There are a lot of bad things that current parents do that are just seen as normal when they're not, and they have long-lasting psychological effects from emotional damage. Inability to regulate your emotions. Also, negative self-talk. We talk to ourselves way worse than any person could. Let me expand on this if you don't mind. Generally, your emotions should be like a calm river. No needless waves, no great sadness, anxiety, angry outbursts, misplaced fear, but also no great ecstasy. All these feelings have their place and will be experienced at one point or another, but your default state should be calm, like an EKG with an occasional spike. Similarly, when a negative spike happens, one should be able to manage it internally, ideally without the use of external substances, and in an adequate time, move past it. I think that's what we should all aim for, myself definitely included. Shadow people. One question we asked was if they ever saw, heard, or smelled anything others didn't. This came up more often than you might think. I drive trains, which is a career fraught with extensive sleep deprivation and random sleeping times. The company I work for now is really good about rest days each week, but I used to work for another company where I averaged five sleep cycles for every seven days. Also, very stressful work environment between constantly having the company try to trick you into getting fired, or even just how easy it is to screw up and kill a whole town of people. So, shadow people is a common occurrence that we just get used to. They usually appear on the edge of your vision, right in front of you. Some guys will call them track people. They're standing or walking down the track just past your headlights. Just knowing about it makes it easier to just ignore your mind and trust your instincts. But being off-duty and awake for 36 to 72 hours at a time gets weird. I start to hear a low murmur, like static or something mechanical. Or maybe a radio that is just barely out of tune in the next room, just loud enough to know you're hearing something. And things moving around in your periphery. Like things that are really there disappear and come back randomly. The need for some parents to speak with their children about adult problems. No, your young child does not need to be aware that you are struggling financially or that daddy slept with the lady next door. The parents that tell the children that they are going to go and speed my car into a tree purposely, off myself while you were at school, or slit my wrist when I shower tonight. And parents that they feel they need their children fixed as it's the child and not the family unit as the whole that needs support and or assistance. Just a few recent ones I've heard. In regards to financial comments, taken from a previous comment of mine as I've been getting asked to answer this, I'm talking more on the extreme side and towards children that have been extremely hurt and money talk was used as a tool to make the child feel at fault and guilt to some degree. I'm currently working with a child now that is triggered whenever he hears talk about finances and feels it's his fault they will eventually become homeless. They won't, but this is what he's told. If only he didn't eat so much. If only he didn't have so many school fees. Not to mention the arguing between carers over finances. This must be his fault too though, they're yelling and shouting because of this. I've seen a lot of people dismiss their depression and other mental illnesses because it's not that bad, or other people have it worse, or I can and should be able to handle it on my own. You shouldn't have to suffer through mental illness, even if you technically can. You deserve to be happy and therapists and psychiatrists are there to help you learn how to help yourself. It's not a weakness to find someone who can assist you in figuring out coping skills or prescribe you medications to help fine-tune your brain's neurotransmitters. This, th 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 this post right here, this is what I've been saying. Some people just say, oh, I'll cope, or it's fine, when it's not. 
It's like they're not allowed to have a mental illness when in reality they're in survival mode and they can't register healthy emotions or mechanisms. It's like a post I read out before. If you're just existing, living day to day detached from everything and everyone, being constantly tired, or having persistent thoughts of death, that's not normal. And I get it. The American mental health care system sucks. It's not easy to get help, most of the time because it's financially unviable for them. But a lot of times, the people who need it the most won't ask for it. It's because they don't feel the need to. They don't want to bother anyone, or they think it's too difficult, or they have anxiety about making appointments. I don't mean to be pushy or ranty, but I sincerely hope anyone who needs a therapist watching this video gets the help they deserve. Because people aren't all awful, especially not you. From the patient side, it took having a massive anxiety attack at my doctor's office to find out that no, massive anxiety attacks in front of strangers isn't common or normal. Research psychologist checking in, if your toddler is doing socially unusual behaviors such as not responding to name, not responding to a social smile, not pointing using gestures, using your hands and arms as if they were a tool or extension of the body, engaging in repetitive behaviors, not responding to your use of gaze to direct their attention to distal objects, check with a pediatrician about getting assessed for autism spectrum disorder. Perfectionism. While a spectrum and everyone wants to do good work, an obsession with perfection is not something to be proud of and definitely not healthy. Healthy work ethic is doing your best and then letting go, as in recognizing no matter how much effort you put in, the result is, to some extent, out of your control. And that's okay. The intent and effort counts more than the end result. If you get obsessed with the end result only, you will hurt yourself because you never have full control over your end result, but you do have full control over the intensity and dedication you will put in, even if that doesn't translate well. It is a fact of life, sometimes things don't work out. So people who never, and I mean never, have anything less than flawless work all the time are paying for it somehow. Burnout or mental stress or overtime or medications and drugs to keep going, or etc. It is pathological to want or to think you can realistically have such control that your work is flawless all the time. I'd like to point out that there are tons of things that are normal but are not healthy or ideal. Normal is just what the statistical majority are doing, not what would be best for them. I think the main question should be, what impact is blank having on my life and relationships, rather than wondering how it compares to the average person's experience or behaviors? Excellent point. One of the fundamental points of any successful therapy is aiding the patient in distinguishing whether a behavior is self-helping and or other society helping, or it is self-harming and or other society harming. Many harmful and even malicious thinking and behavior patterns are common, but are definitely unhealthy. Conversely, many greatly healthy and self-helping ways of thinking and behavior may be even actively discouraged by some people in society. See part about unhealthy things being common. So ultimately, anyone seeking a happy and successful life must learn to judge things from a functional perspective, and ultimately throw the loads of negativity and bullcrap that a good chunk of society will often try too hard to instill into your thinking out of the window. If you can learn how to do that on your own, great, good for you. But if you have trouble, by all means reach out. Never let yourself remain stuck. New nurse here. Did my rotation for mental health and one patient in particular took quite an interest to me. He was very polite and very kind. He was chatting up a storm, answered everyone's questions, and repeatedly asked my name. Later, we got to look at patient's files and I got his. He had a psychotic break and started hearing God. She told him her name was Courtney and that she had chosen him and he was to find her and marry her. Guess what my first name is? Courtney. They ended up moving me to another part of the hospital after that because he was quite interested. Can confirm, I am definitely not God. Way too much responsibility. Coping with stress in your relationships by walking away from conversations, saying you've had enough, or going silent. Coping with feelings of insecurity and anxiety by lashing out at your partner. Example. 
asking a bunch of questions about one of their acquaintances instead of saying, I feel insecure for these reasons. Please talk through it with me. Been a couples therapist for 10 years, now clinical director of a private practice. So many more, but those are two of the most prevalent in couples work. Tech here, so bottom of the totem pole, but I'll offer my opinion. Normal is not the right qualifier, in my opinion. Psychology isn't like physiology, where you can go in and they can run exploratory tests on you to find out you're sick in a way that hasn't manifested symptoms yet. That's why your doctor will screen you for certain common or devastating disorders. The way I learned about mental illness was the four Ds. Dysfunction, deviation, distress, and danger. Dysfunction means it gets in the way of you doing your job, school, or whatever. Deviation means it's not something everyone is going through. Distress means you're not okay with it. Danger is self-explanatory. You come in with some or all of the four Ds, and we form a treatment based on a set of symptoms that you most closely match. Then we treat the symptoms. The point of all this is to say, mental illness exists on a spectrum where one end may be so subtle that it only informs a person's personality, whereas the other end is completely debilitating and can get a person killed. You may know someone with features of an illness. In fact, I'd be surprised if you didn't. But if they don't want or need treatment, then they shouldn't be diagnosed. The best example is autism. Someone high on the functionality side of autism will do quite well in life. In fact, it is actually quite fair to discuss if autistic people live better lives than their counterparts. The answer would be entirely based on what you value in a quote-unquote good life. The next group of people are objectively suffering from their condition. They may have a chemical imbalance in their brain that causes them to be more anxious or sad than their counterparts. However, if it doesn't have enough impact on that individual, then they may go their entire lives without really needing to be checked out. To answer your question, if someone feels like their life would benefit from the field of psychology, then they need to get checked out. The hurdle that professionals face is educating people on what kinds of things psychology can help with. That is just to say that many different extremes of certain traits can be a symptom. However, you do have to make sure it is abnormal for that person. Not everyone who doesn't like people is clinically isolative. Not everyone who has lots of intimacy with multiple partners is hypersexual. And not everyone who doesn't brush their teeth is depressed. It takes no time at all to learn the different symptoms of different disorders. The rest of the time at school will be spent finding how to tell if those traits are a symptom or just who that person is, and of course what to do about it. Often the question of why is important in mental illness. Not participating in something you used to love may be anhedonia, or you may have just lost interest. Your medical doctor should never have to ask you why you have swollen lymph nodes. Your therapist should absolutely ask why you want to get a divorce. He cheated on me is not a symptom, but he's not my husband anymore, he is an imposter that looks like my husband, but he is an Al-Qaeda spy sent to kill me, is, most likely. Emotional regulation. I see typical kids that just can't handle anything. It's terrifying. They are going to have a very difficult journey ahead unless they seek help. Dismissing your own feelings, your own thoughts, and your own internal voice saying something isn't right because others around the world have it worse. Devaluing your thoughts and emotions is a quick path down to making them louder and more painful. Rage and anger outbursts. I'm shocked by how much bad behavior during an adult tantrum is written off with little or no concern. Oh, that's just how he gets when he gets mad. He'll calm down. No, adults should be able to regulate their anger and handle it appropriately. Everyone gets angry. That is totally normal. But we shouldn't find ourselves escalating so easily and responding in ways we later regret. Trauma reactions. They are very normal for the situation, but are not healthy or easy to deal with without help. Our bodies and brains hoard survival responses, so I see a lot of people struggling with unhealthy coping skills or habits that at one point kept them safe and helped them survive. This can range from large mood swings, emotional or physical disassociation, difficulty connecting with one's physical or emotional being, and difficulty identifying triggers. 
I get a lot of childhood abuse survivors who have had issues in therapy before due to this. If your therapist goes in assuming you are able to connect with and name feelings, identify what is weighing on you, etc., they won't be very helpful. Also, my normal therapy PSA is, whenever possible, please don't wait. There is no such thing as an issue too small for therapy, but waiting can cause something to morph into a way bigger issue. I know for a variety of reasons that isn't always feasible, but if you can, please do.